Hey, Verbivores. Welcome back to the Verba Coffee Chat Podcast. In this episode, Jared chats with fellow data nerd, Nick Brown, Director of Learning Platforms at Vitalsource. Listen as Nick shares insight into student behaviors inside digital course materials, steps campus stores can take to increase engagement, and his vision for how the landscape will continue to evolve for digital course materials. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Jared, happy to be here. Uh, I'm so excited about you being on here today. I think for the audience that's tuned in here, they, they tend to think of Brian and I as, as data guys, but we're really amateurs compared to you. And I think that our audience is really going to enjoy all the stuff that you're bringing to us today. Well, great. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk to them. And, and thanks for having me on the pod. I've always admired the data that you and, and Ryan share with the community. So hope I can add to the conversation. All right. Well, I, th- I think we'll just hop right in. I mean, the, at a high level, I think it would be really interesting for our listeners just to kind of hear a little bit about types of data that we capture at Vitalsource, how Vitalsource thinks of data, what's some of the challenges around it, maybe. Data is core to what we do at Vitalsource. It's a huge part of, of our strategic thinking. It's a huge part of where we spend our, our time and our energy. Um, and we really use it in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. We use it for understanding understanding our business, understanding what our students and our partners are doing. We use it to understand how students are learning and using data to inform our our learning science and our pedagogy is important as well. And then of course we use it extensively to help build really good experiences for all of of our users and across many different parties, faculty, students, publishers, everybody. You know, just this last week, you know, thinking of a couple of examples, I spent a lot of my time building out some interesting dashboards to try and understand whether COVID was causing delayed term starts this January. That's on one side of the fence. And on the other side of the fence, I was working with the team on machine learning generated questions and research paper that we expect to publish on that topic this year and really everything in between. So cool. Can you give us a, just a, a sense of the scale of the data that we're talking about across vital source? Yeah, the scale is really, really significant. If you look at only pages read in our bookshelf product, you're already looking at upwards of 4 billion events a year. So think about the scale of that data. That's enormous. That, that's far, far, far exceeding anything you're going to be, be analyzing in a, in a typical database or let alone in an Excel spreadsheet. So there's a, a significant investment that goes on just to manage that scale of data and, and make it accessible and make it queryable and provide views into it. So that, that scale is, is really significant and it's, it's really a, a point of differentiation and, and leverage for us, I think. When you talk about having that much data, I think we, we know that there's a lot of concern out in the educational community around privacy and you know, what kinds of data that we capture. Can you speak a little bit to, to kind of how we think about privacy around data vital source? The first thing I'd say is the best strategy for handling student private information correctly is to not even gather it in the first place, right? You, you just can't screw it up that way. So almost everything that we build works perfectly well without any student information at all. No names, no email addresses, anything. Uh, that's actually the fastest growing slice of our user base. Um, 60% of our users last year came through an integration from a, an LMS or another partner. And all that we had was an anonymous ID for that user and that, that's it. So that's a, a core part of it, right? And, and we're happy with that integration pattern. If the student wants to come to us through the LMS every time and we don't have their information, we're great with that. That's fantastic. If we do have that data, 
caring it for it appropriately and, and exposing it only in the right ways and, and analyzing it only in a safe way is really important. So one of the other things that we do is when we do have student data, we anonymize it and we aggregate it. So, you know, for example, when we're providing data back to an institution about their students, we'll give them student level data at those anonymized IDs. If we're giving data back to publishers about how students are using their products on our platform, we usually give them aggregated data, give them pooled data at the book level or the institution level. That's all that they need. And that makes sure that everybody's safe and, and that student privacy isn't abused. Over 4 billion pages read serves up lots of great data points to learn from. Keep listening as Jared and Nick dive into the data trends and how campus stores can make an impact on student engagement. All right, well, I think that this could be a good time to move into some of the trends and all of this, what did you say, 4 billion page events a year? <laughs> More than, yeah. That's so crazy. Uh, yeah, so that, uh, maybe we can dig into that. I mean, obviously, it's been a, a strange last 12 months and kind of interested to just hear some of the things that you've been seeing as you pour over all of this data. The biggest change over the last 12 months is, I would say, just the volume, right? In, in every area of our business, we're just seeing more and more students come to digital. It's a great option for them to keep learning effectively during this period of disruption. So the, the main word is just bigger. There's just more data coming in. We're just seeing more students. One interesting thing as you kind of think about that um, is that for the most part, when we analyze those students and try and break them down into buckets of, of how engaged they are, they look pretty similar to the students that we had a year ago. So it's not really like the students who are just showing up today out of desperation from COVID are very different or use the product in an incredibly different way than, than the students we had before. They really look pretty similar. Some students are motivated and engaged and, and use all of our features and take notes and highlights and, and engage deeply with the material. Some students don't do their homework, right? That's just always gonna be true, right? But yeah, the, the big takeaway for me there is just the volume, the, the scale increase has really been significant. Can we talk a little bit more about how we think about levels of engagement? I mean, is there kind of a very first baseline concept of engagement and then, you know, different features that feed into higher levels of engagement later on? There's a lot of different ways that we'll talk about it, kind of depending on the context. An easy one to do is to just ask a, a simple question of how many pages are students reading, right? We know how long the book is. <laughs> we know if they made it all the way through. And, and that's a, a simple metric where, unfortunately, you know, we do often see students trickle off. And over the course of the term, they start out great. And then by September, you know, by November, by December, they're trickling down and, and fading. One of the things we see with our Acrobatic platform, which is a little bit of a more engaging courseware product, is a little bit better stickiness through the term and a little bit better persistence to the finish line. It's an interesting question to think about why that's true. A big part of it, we think, is often that instructors do assign the final grade from those products as part of the student's grade in, on their uh, report card in a way that you maybe don't get that out of an e-text. Um, but we're, we're thinking a lot about how can we layer that kind of persistence and engagement into the e-text product as well, because we'd love to see those students stick around for the whole term. Yeah, that's great. So in this market, there's been a dramatic move toward these new programs like inclusive access. And even at UC Davis, we have equitable access. What are the engagement-related virtues, if any, related to those programs? Like, What do we see when, when institutions implement these new programs? There's a couple of things right off the bat that those programs do for students that are really positive. The first thing is, it sounds simple, but making sure that they have everything they need on the first day of class is a great thing to do and is going to help them do better in those courses. 
It's, it's very simple. We've proven that relationship. It's kind of a no-brainer, but it's still a really positive thing to bring to those students uh, and their experience. That said, it's that doesn't necessarily solve the problem we were just talking about of maybe them falling off over the course of the term. If you have it on day one, are you still using it in week 15? Maybe yes, maybe no. But what we do have when we're looking at an IA program or an EA program for that matter, is at least we know that those students are on the bus. We know they have what they need. We know they have access to the materials. We know they have the opportunity to be engaged. And then it's on us from, from the perspective of building good learning products to make sure that they are engaging and to nudge them to the right behaviors and to get them using the features and to get them reading the material. So I think that's the big one, right? Is It's about getting them the opportunity to use the product. And then it's really on, on us and our designers and our engineers to drive that engagement further. And what's an example of, of a case where we are able to drive further engagement once they're in the ecosystem? An easy answer there is that students who end up using one of our mobile apps, so we have a bookshelf app for iOS or Android, end up more engaged across the board, right? So you might think, oh, they use the mobile app and that's that, right? They just prefer to read on, on their phone or their tablet instead of in the browser. But users who download our app end up reading more pages in the browser than students who only read in the browser. They also make more highlights. They take more notes. They search for more terms. They just end up more engaged across the board. So that really is an indicator of the kind of opportunity that we have where if we can just hook them on one more thing, right? Get them a little bit more engaged we kind of see that uplift across the board. So Nick, um, obviously we've got a Campus Store audience here that's listening in. And I think one of the amazing things about this community over the last three, four, five years especially is that they've become really invested in this question of powering engagement. Um, it really ties back to their core academic mission that they've always had, but kind of the, the newest iteration of that is how can we help students become more engaged with their content? Do you have any advice for campus stores around uh, around that? Yeah, two things that I can think of there that, that might really help. You know, one is to the point that we were just talking about, trainings and engagement and, and simply making students aware of the capabilities that are at their fingertips would be a really helpful and positive thing to do. If students don't know there's a mobile app, they can't go download it and they can't become a more sticky and engaged user. So anything they want to do around training or engagement or even just bragging about how great the platform is that they're integrated with might be something that could really help students unlock that next level of engagement. The other thing that they could do would be more focused on the faculty side of things. To this point that we've come back to a couple of times, you know, we do see students trailing off over the course of the term. When a faculty member is engaged in the course, whether it's using courseware or an ebook, that pattern changes. The students end up more resilient and they end up using that material further through the course. So anything that our stores could do to encourage and evangelize faculty to take advantage of the platform fuller, and we do even have features that they could be telling our faculty about that are specifically for them, right? A, a faculty member can go in and add notes and highlights in the text and they show up when a student is reading. That's kind of, you know, the top level of where you could go, but anything on that spectrum would be really positive. Yeah, I love this. It's so consistent with what I think the campus store really is, which is the course materials expert on campus. And that educational aspect, both for students and faculty, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of demand out there for that. Learning how students behave inside their digital content can be powerful insight. Let's listen as Nick shares his vision of how digital learning platforms will continue to evolve and diversify course material offerings. Have we noticed anything particular related to the COVID experience or is most of what we've derived from that just a function of more usage across digital platforms? One, one interesting trend we've seen there is a significant shift towards our users 
buying and using our platforms internationally. Certainly last March, right, we saw this mass exodus from our in-person campuses to students going back home. And we actually saw an increase from 20% of our users using our products internationally to 35 just from January to March last year. That's really, really significant and something that we are lucky enough that we've already scaled globally and we have product works really well, even if you're in Australia, but you know, we were set up well to take advantage of that, but that was a really significant shift. Nick, so I, you know, I think of you as our resident data expert, but your actual hat here is senior director of learning platforms. Can you just talk about kind of what you see as the future of learning platforms? Boy, that's a big question. That I know. Let's uh, feel free to, to take it in, in smaller bites. <laughs> so I, I think one thing that we're hearing from everybody that we talk to, and you know, I was just talking with one of our publisher partners earlier today about, about some of this, is that our customers, our, our instructors and our students want more out of their digital products. We kind of made the first phase of this transition from print textbooks to PDFs, or you know, I, I call them paper under glass textbooks. And that helps, right? It does help with a lot of things. It helps with the day one access that we talked about. Um, it helps with accessibility issues, which is another thing we're really passionate about. You can provide a much more accessible experience with a digital product than you ever could with a print textbook. That said, that's far from where we could go um, in terms of user experience, in terms of learning science, in terms of how much impact students actually get out of using these products. And I think we're kind of hitting that saturation point where people are, are saying, I'm ready for the next thing, right? A simple paper under glass textbook isn't good enough for me anymore in 2021. Take me somewhere new. Some of the products out there um, that you know we, we call courseware or talk about homework systems or, or tutoring systems, some of those I think are good examples of it. You know, Some of those products are really, really, really nice. They're supportive for students as they need help. They give uh, faculty a ton of interesting insight into how their students are doing. They're well-crafted learning experiences, pedagogically sound, backed by learning science. The hard part about those is they're incredibly hard and costly to make. You know, Making one of those courses can cost $100,000 and take six months. So I, I think the place that we need to go next, and we're working on some ideas here, and I know that other folks are too, is really how can we scale the kind of impact that those very premium products can have across the board, right? Across all of the disciplines, across the front list and the back list of publishers' titles, and bring that kind of concrete learning science impact to everybody, right? Not just your, your intro calculus class, right? Which is really highly optimized right now. People are ready for more, they want more, and right now, it's hard to do that in a cost-efficient way at scale. I mean, I think the next couple of years is we'll, we'll see that starting to scale out in some really interesting ways. Is it safe to say that you see the course materials landscape as becoming more kind of diversified in terms of numbers of participants and you know, types of platforms available and technological variability? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, we kind of landed on a couple of models that work, right, in the last five, 10 years. And we're realizing that some of those models, you know, again, to come back to subject matter, some of the models that are really, really fantastic for a math course just don't make sense for a sociology course. And it's kind of on us as the learning platform and, and content developers to come up with the, what's the right teaching model for a music theory course. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but it's not the same as econ. So I think there's going to be a really rich diversity of players and a, and a rich diversity of experiences that should be really interesting to watch play out. 
Yeah, it's very cool. And I kind of think back to our campus store community and audience here. And when I hear you talking about these things, I just, I think of how complex that landscape is going to look to students on campus and especially instructors and faculty who are trying to make decisions between these various, you know, whether it's page under glass all the way up to machine learning powered tooling, it feels like there's going to be a lot of guidance required there and that the campus store might be in the position to, to kind of help people navigate that. Yeah, there's definitely an interesting opportunity there. You know, as that landscape gets more complex, it's more and more important for someone somewhere to vet which things are legit, <laughs> which things have a great experience for faculty and students, which ones actually have learning impact. So that vetting and curating is important. But then I think it's also really important that there's this almost almost tension, right, in terms of the student experience getting really fractured versus staying simple. So anything that they could do to help facilitate a simple path for students into all those various products is really important too. Are there areas of research within course materials that the research itself isn't even happening yet? I mean, are there are there specific questions about things that we want to know but don't really know well yet, especially in the learning science area that might be kind of, you know, instead of being five years out, maybe we're 10 years out from that kind you know, one of the challenges with rolling out any of these new products, uh, you know, especially in our market, it is hard often to study the impact of our new features or our new products on students because you, you don't often want to run an a A-B test where half the students get this great new feature and great new content and the other half don't. Um, it, it's not very ethical to do it that way, and it's, it's difficult to do it in some other ways. Um, so there is definitely some slowness on understanding the efficacy of a lot of the things that we do. That's not to say there aren't people who do a great job analyzing it and researching it. There absolutely are. Um, but that can be slow and, and painful to get to the, the data that we want. What I would be interested in learning more about is things like student motivation and how do we keep students engaged in something that at the end of the day is kind of like eating their broccoli, right? You know, we, we talk to students a lot and try and understand what is it that they like about the products that they like and what is it that they don't like about the others. And boy, it's hard to, to get to students sometimes and convince them to do their homework, right? So that, to me, that's a place where we could really learn a lot more and grow a lot um, is in terms of motivating students to, to get their work done. Uh, a moment that really stuck with me from a, a user interview we did recently was a student talking about a, a new feature that we're considering deploying. Um, and we asked them if they would use it. And they said, yeah, th this could be interesting as long as it didn't take me more than four minutes. That's how much time they had for us, right? So it's like, how much learning can you cram into four minutes? And then how can you convince the student that maybe next week it's 10 minutes instead of four? And those attention spans are probably shrinking rather than expanding, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. So the fact that we are gathering all of this data is awesome, but do we also provide it back to the institution? How do they leverage this to really maximize impact on students um, and ultimately impact things like student retention? We love to work with institutions on, on this kind of thing. Um, at a simple level, the data is available via dashboards and feeds. If you just want to have the data and, and faculty want to see how students are engaging, they can do that. But we also have examples where we've partnered with institutions to actually do some of the studies that I was just 
talking about being kind of hard um, to do some of those and to prove what the impact can be when their students use our platforms. And one that we talk about a lot was a, a study that we did in partnership with University of Maryland, Baltimore County a couple of years ago, where we found that the students at their school who were highly engaged with the digital learning tools were 200% more likely to pass their courses than less active students. That's a big number, right? So that, that's the kind of nugget that we love to go find. Um, we love to work with institutions who want to do that kind of research. And I know there are some other balls in the air, right, where we're studying some of those things right now. Very cool. All right. Well, that was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for um, sharing not only the good stuff, um, the, the nuggets of data, but also the vision. I think it's it's so exciting to just see where learning is going and, and know that we've got, a, we've got good stuff to look forward to. So really, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for having me on, Jerry. That was a great time. I love talking about data. I love talking about learning. So this was a blast. Thanks for listening and big thanks to Nick for sharing his insight and knowledge. Make sure to subscribe to the Verbo Coffee Chat podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you get notified when a new episode is live.